Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Okay, I'm going to say a little more. you got to get better now. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. All right. Um, well, there's only there's two things already that I see as a problem. One, I've had less than five hours sleep, which is about normal for me. The other is making me stand behind the podium. <laughs> Putting a Baptist minister behind the podium and telling me to stay is just probably telling a puppy to sit. It's just not going to happen. So if we, we work on this. But it is good to uh, be here today and to do it more because... I, I can't think of a better time to be here. I can't think of a better time. As much as we want to talk about Washington, D.C., as much as we want to talk about the, uh, you know, the state of gridlock, the state of problems, the state of always running up to the, you know, the, the next crisis, the next crisis. But my, my question for all of us here today is, is in a time of crisis, in a time of, of understanding, in a time when things are not as they seem, what better time to actually begin to plot a path for normalcy and getting stuff done? What better time? to say there is a better way, there's a way that we can look to, to do this, and I think it all starts with some simple understanding of where we're at. Today I want to touch just briefly, before I get into some real uh, longer thoughts on my work in the committees of jurisdiction, I want to talk about where we're at in the Hill. It was last year of the conference, and as I said, looking ahead, I've been over the past several years traveling to almost every special election uh, that we have had. I've been in most of them this year, this past year, and looking at the, the format of where we're headed uh, toward November. And I will say it is a challenging environment. It is not something that we're simply going to be able to say tax reform is great, tax reform is wonderful, we're gonna, that's going to help us, it's going to get us over in many of our areas, but it's not going to be enough. It's going to have to be members who are actively involved in their districts, members who actively take a part in saying what matters to the folks that I represent and how do I best communicate that. And now you're also going to hear from me as a fellow Republican. One of the things that I believe as vice chair of the conference and one of the things I ran on in discussing is, is that we have got to get better at communication. Does anybody agree? Yes. It's okay. I am Baptist. You can communicate with me. Right. By the time we're going to have to have some of you on the tables here in just a minute, we're going to be ready to go. I mean, Republicans, what are we? We are, but we're not boring. Why did we have to decide that good policy equals boring presentations? When did we decide that, that good policies are... Well, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to bore you to death this morning. We have GDP rising at 2.3%. Boy, did you see that bank stock yesterday? What a wonder. Boy, I had a good feeling today when the Wall Street Journal came out. That was a good headline. The economic indicator said 0.2%. I'm excited. No! Let's talk about things like people in my district talk about things. They go into their convenience store and they look up on the, on the wall at a convenience store called One Stop around the corner from me. And they look up there and they see somebody has posted a picture of the three-pound bass that they call. And they're proud of that three-pound bass. And they look at it and say, this is what I'm doing with my life. When is Republicans going to get the idea that when you talk about conservative ideas, when you talk about moving legislation that helps us get on a good fiscal foundation, a good regulatory foundation, and a country that is strong and prosperous around the world, that is something that you can sell to the average American just as much as they can post a picture of their latest catch or their latest deer that they just got. When we start connecting on that kind of visceral level, then we start moving numbers. When we go into districts and we start talking, instead of Republicans saying, oh, it's going to be one of those years. <laughs> I told you I couldn't say behind the pulpit. <laughs> oh, we got to, Lance, God bless you, brother. It's a tough runoff. I hope you make it. No, let's get out there and share what we're doing. Let's get out there and actually talk about the fact that tax reform is something good. And please don't tell me about your corporate bottom line. I don't care. 
You know what I do care about? I care about your worker. I care about the family. I care about the fact that a guy in my district said, Doug, when we are able to take that capital gains reduction, we're able to add that piece of equipment. He looked at me and he said, I haven't been able to add any workers. He said, I'm going to be able to add five workers this year. And then when I go to one of the workers and I say, what does that mean to you? And when you got a bonus, one of the workers in my district got a bonus of $1,000. And they began to look. I said, you know, by the way, that's just crumbs. In my district, it's not crumbs. Because when that person looked at me and said that $1,000, there was another person that said, you know, I was able to take a vacation with my family. As a state trooper's kid from North Georgia, I'm going to tell you what $1,000 meant to us. I'm going to tell you what it meant for a kid who grew up in North Georgia who has a wife who has been teaching for 28 years. And we've made a partnership because we love each other and we look at our family. And that $1,000 meant that we can do something special for our kids. We could go on a trip or we could buy uh, tennis shoes or we could, we could send them to a camp or we could let them go experience something that maybe we didn't get to experience. You see, this is where we got to connect. We, I, I was so upset in 2008 when we let the Democratic Party take hope and change and take it and mean something it's not supposed to. We are the party of hope and change. We're the party of hope because we believe in people. We believe that there's actually something inherently good in people. When you give them the ability to get government off their back and you give them the freedom to spend the money they want to win and invest and do what their hearts desire, that's when you see hope and that's when you see change. That's the message for 2018. That's the message of Republicans saying, we want you to be the best you can be because we actually believe in you, not in government believing in you. That's something that we've got to share. So how do we do that? I think it starts really coming back up here to Capitol Hill. It comes back up here and to say, how do we actually begin to be the process of legislating? I think that if you look in the dictionary under congressman, there's somewhere they'll probably see something under that says legislator. It's about like an Old Testament word, Aiken, you want me to get it in propitiation. I did a wedding a few weeks ago, one of my staff members, Aiken, did a wonderful job with the reading. It was wonderful. Had to get in propitiation. If you want to know about it, ask her afterwards. She'll define it for you. <laughs> but we, we, legislating has become something that we just sort of miss. And, and I think when members come up here and they get frustrated, it's because they come up here thinking that they can change the world, but yet they don't know how. And the, really the way you do it is get involved in legislation. You get involved in the aspects of your district. You get involved in the aspects of trying to move things up here that make a difference. You see, when you come up with a purpose, you're able to begin to move on that purpose. So for me, over this next year, as we look ahead, we can run on tax reform, we can run on regulatory reform. Those are all great things. But we've got to be able to share it in such a way, and this is what I do when I travel across the country speaking to, to our Republican colleagues, I tell to our members of our conference, is to say, you've got to share what you're doing locally, and you got to share what you're doing up here in a way that makes sense and also means something to others. But then there's another big area for me and for many of you in this room that you've gotten to know me on. Um, legislating for us is not something I talk about. It's something we've actually done. We've had nine red lines in three, uh, not even three terms yet. And as soon as we pass this Omni, number 10 will be in it because the Cloud Act will be passed in this Omni, which was something we've worked on. John Farrell and many of my staff have worked on cross-data population between different countries and also putting privacy protections along with a law enforcement angle. That is the things that you work on and you do. Just in the next little bit, we're going to have a markable music modernization. You think music modernization, you think legislating is easy? We took five years and last year our staff alone probably had well over a thousand man hours in getting the first update to the copyright code in over 25 years that takes the music system that we currently have that was based on a player piano model from the 19 
early 1900s and bring it into where now, and I want you to hear this, we have everybody from NAB on one end to Spotify, Amazon, Apple, the digital providers, and all the publishers, music uh, writers, the songwriters, artists in the middle, all coming together and saying, this is something we support. That's what this town is about. That's what legislating is about. And it's why, for me, we've invested five plus years in Judiciary Committee. And this year, our chairman, Bob Goodlatte, will be retiring, and I will be running for chairman of Judiciary Committee. Some of you may say, three terms, getting ready for a fourth term, you're going to run for chairman of the Judiciary Committee? I think it's about a vision. I think we've got a lot of turnover in our committee this year. And what I'm putting forward is a vision of saying, there are things in our committee that is really right for the next real resurgence in our economy, and it's a Republican conservative ideal. Let me start this way. One of the areas that we're going to look at, and it has the primary jurisdiction, judiciary has the primary jurisdiction over what is the, really what I believe is the next 40 to 50 years of our economy. <coughs> Jeff did a, uh, appreciate so much introducing me to Apple, the technology companies, but every company in this room has technology, patents, copyrights, all this, and guess where that sits? Okay, this is audience participation point. Where does the jurisdiction for IP sit? Judiciary. All right, we're getting on now. And in judiciary, we don't like to talk about it. Because again, remember what I talked about about communication? Sometimes we talk about IP. Zeros and ones and dots and things of patents and, and, and we get bogged down. But when we actually look at what the intellectual property jurisdiction of the Judiciary Committee and really what this town can do in that regard is that we have always been, in fact our founders said it, the founders put forth in the Constitution that this was something, protecting intellectual property was something that we were supposed to be doing. They knew it back then. In fact, do you understand where they actually got that from? They got it from every one of the state and the colonies' constitutions themselves. They took it because it was something that they inherently believed that if you protect and incentivize the growth of ideas, then you will grow a nation. And look where we are today. So what do we have to do? We've got to take where we're at and begin to look into the future. Many of you have smartphones, apples, iPhones, and all the smartphones. If we were sitting here 12 years ago, you would not have that. Think about that for just a second. In a little over 12, 15 years, you run from a technology jump that has been amazing. How we disseminate data, how we do those. You go back to the time I graduated high school in 1984. For some of you in the room, that does exist. It's not just a song on the radio. Okay? When you understand that, look at the, just look at what has happened. So my question for us is, when we look ahead, one of the things that, one of the big areas of IP, last, in fact, the last big IP bill that was passed was our bill, is defending trade secrets. Many of you in this room were a part of that. We brought together a very diverse coalition. Again, folks who, uh, you get a theme here? That you have to get people in a room who may disagree and find places of agreement? That's called legislating. That's called leading. It's called taking your job seriously, and that's what we need to do in judiciary. As you look forward, I'm excited to be a part and would like to be chair of a committee that actually holds the economic engine for our country. Wouldn't that be a good thing to be? Mm -hmm. all, all due respect to Greg Walden, great committee. Judiciary's got IP. <laughs> <laughs> when you understand where we're going, this is where you've got to get in and work. This is what I want to be able to be a part of. But it's not just the business side of it, it's also the privacy side. In fact, I believe in the next few years, the digital security, privacy, and the things that are encompassed in IP are going to be the next big, and it already has been, the lightning rod of what we've seen over the past few years. We see data breaches. We also see national security interests. Our office worked tirelessly over the Christmas break on 702, which is our foreign surveillance issues. 
we wanted to work because what was happening was all of a sudden we were going to look into possibly reauthorizing something that did not have some of the very fundamental privacy protections that we wanted to see in there. So what can you do? There's two ways in this town I have found that you do. You call on one side, you don't like something, you go out and you whine, gripe, and moan, or you go on the other side and you get in a room and actually try to fix it. I would prefer to be in a room and try to fix it. This over here makes you feel good. This over here actually does something. And I think when we start moving Congress to that level, then that is what we're going to have to do. Judiciary Committee sits at that threshold. We were able to come up with a 702 bill that actually works, that actually incorporated some of what we did in Judiciary Committee into that privacy protection, while at the same time protecting national security. That is a balance that we can strike. So when I look at Judiciary Committee, I want it to be a part where members want to be a part, where they come and they find their, their, their aptitude, they find a bill, they find something that interests them, and they begin to legislate. Because I'm a firm believer, as a member, I can speak about members. If you give us some time, we will find everything else in the world to do. It's just not a good idea. <laughs> so why don't we actually put our wonderful creativity to active productive use and get this done? And that's why one of the things that for those in this room, if you're not sure if you have an intellectual property, believe me, you do. Um, this is something we want to look forward to, and whether it be copyright, whether it be patent. Look, I am one right now that believes that we have to be very concerned in an international context. There's a move right now in, the, in, in many areas is that there may be a discussion as where are our patent laws and where are our copyright protections and where are our trademark and trade secret protections? Are, are, we, are we too strict or should we loosen up? And, and there's been this discussion. I'll tell you right now, if we let up on our protections, on our properties and the stuff that we're developing here in the United States, there are other countries that are willing to take that on and you will see a migration of intellectual property interests to those places where they are more protected. Copyright or patent protection or intellectual property protection is not something that stifles innovation. It actually encourages innovation. Because if you have no incentive to make something and have it protected so that you can then have it marketable to others or to be a part of your society or part of your company, then why are you going to do it? I would love to think that we're all altruistic and think, oh, we'll just do it and everybody will be happy. We're not. I see Disney in the room. You make films actually to make money. That's not a bad thing. That's <laughs> what you do it for. <laughs> we seem to have lost that fact around here. But if, if a company makes a movie, and before they can get it to production, it's pirated and shown all over the world on websites, and nothing comes back, what's going to happen? They're going to quit making because people are not going to invest. The same is going to be true in our other industries as well. But also I want to take another issue. Judiciary has always been a committee of vast jurisdiction. One of the areas is also immigration. Now, immigration is something we all agree or disagree on, depending on your perspective. But I'm going to say this, it is something that we either can solve or we can allow the Democrats to continue to use as a political uh, push. They really, frankly, have no desire to solve many of these issues because they feel it's much better for them in an environment of politics. When you get into immigration, we're going to have to put the, all of the individuals in the room and find a solution moving forward. We cannot can simply say it's too hard or too big for us to fix. If we say that, then we are being negligent in our jobs. And in the immigration society, this is something we need to, to move forward on. It's going to be difficult. Is it going to be easy? Is it going to be what everybody wants? No. But when you have an issue like this that is actually taking our country and dividing it in ways it shouldn't be divided, I believe 
that we need to continue to look at. As we look into the 21st century economy, we also have to understand that the jurisdiction of the Judiciary Committee also extends to basic Article 1 of the Article. And this is sort of where I'm going to sort of tie it up this morning. We've lived in just the last five and a half years really a transition, and really if you go back almost 10 to 15 years, I like to read history. Somewhere along the line, Congress felt its job was either too difficult or too big that we decided to give or allow authority to be taken away from us. We did it under Republican administrations, and we've done it under Democrat administrations. <coughs> 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue is a wonderful place, and the president has a whole section of the Constitution for him or her. But also, we have one as well. It's Article One. It is the legislative body's job to pass laws. It is our legislative body to oversight, over, provide oversight of the executive branch. And one of the things we've got to do, and one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about the Judiciary Committee, whether it be in intellectual property, whether it be in immigration, whether it be in criminal, whether it be in the court systems, wherever it may find itself, is because if we don't accept that, then we are not doing our job, and we're allowing basically Congress to become nothing more than a place of great speeches, long-winded ideas, and bills that may or may not get passed. Because we have got to be a part of that, and judiciary, I believe, stands at the forefront of that idea. When you look at that, what does that mean? That means that coming to the Judiciary Committee, we have members who want to be there, number one, and stay. Because they believe that what they're doing is important. Number two, we have to provide solutions to real problems and not be able to just say the smaller things and move from one side to the other. One of the things I would love to see, and I have actually been in one of your meetings in the evening, when we talked about this with Tom Cole, a good friend of mine, a good mentor from the Rules Committee, I believe that the, that the committee, especially the Judiciary Committee, needs to have a partner across the way in the Senate in which there's regular communication going on and regular ideas on saying what is your priorities and what are our priorities so that we can move things in a more <coughs> fluid way. If we do that, that means that we are actually operating under a system in which we believe that legislation and getting something done is the most important thing. When we do that, that's what leadership is. So with the message I leave with you this morning is I'm still hopeful. Mm -hmm. I still believe in hope. I still believe in the, the possibilities. I'm still, I am still the Mr. Smith who come to Washington. <laughs> I still get off that plane and, and it's stopped to this day. I still get off that plane from, from Atlanta, land at DCA. I look over, I see the Washington Monument. I come by the Jefferson Memorial. I still see this Capitol building. I still walk in there and I tell <coughs> my staff this all the time. I say, at some point they're gonna tell me, oh, I'm sorry, sir, you're not supposed to be here. <laughs> because when you're raised in Northeast Georgia, Trooper's kid, a daddy who went to work every day, a mom who worked with senior adults. I want to impart into you who maybe have been here a long time, or for some who are trying to get here, or for some who are just here and just saying, what is my purpose? In 1987, I had the opportunity to come up here and be an intern for Congressman Ed Jenkins at the time. Ed Jenkins was a Democrat from Northeast Georgia. He was served on the Budget Committee in Ways and Means. He was actually the lead uh, inquisitor, if you would, of Oliver North in the Iran-Contra here. Just a country lawyer from North Georgia. And I tell you that story because right now I can look outside of my office in 1504 Longworth and I can look out of the window and I can look down on the window and where I used to, at night, 
get on the Watts line. <laughs> For those of you in the room who do not know what that is, <laughs> look it up. It was a non, I didn't have to pay long distance, and they let me do that. So I would get on the phone at night, and I would sit in Ed's desk, because nobody else was there. I never had any idea. But I would dial the phone, and on the other end of the phone would be the most soothing and most wonderful voice that I could ever hear, and that was my future bride, Lisa. And we would talk. Today, I look down and I see that office and I see where my office is. And then I also remember when I got back home that my dad had actually taken out a loan to let me come. I didn't know about it for a long time. You don't think this place matters? Shake off the dust of the headlines. Shake off the negativity and do something. I want to be chairman of the Judiciary Committee because the Judiciary Committee has such a bright potential and every one of you in this room has something to gain because we are the greatest country, I believe, in the world. It's time we look up and not down. It's time we look forward and not backwards. It's time that we lead and not follow. Thank you so much.